This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And Shimon Ben Ishai. Alright, so I spoke about this a little bit before I started to share tonight, but I'm going to repeat it because it's really, really very important. So we're going to go back a couple of parshas to Pashas Bullock first. And um, so a lot of, a lot of people, well, before we get to that, just, just um, this is, it's on? Colossian? So before we get to that, so um, a while back I told you a Mishnah that the Mishnah says Lo Lecha Hamlacha Ligmar that it's not for you to um, to finish the work, and um, it's a very hard Mishnah to understand because everyone tells their kids don't start if you if you can't finish it don't start it right um, whatever you start finish so it's like can I get everything that we learn you know in school finish the project don't just start the project so. It's a much deeper, the Mishnah is saying something much deeper. The Mishnah is saying, It's not up to you, you should finish the project, but it's not up to you to finish the project. First of all, you start a project and you could, you could die. So you won't finish the project, right? So who makes sure that you finish the project? You should try to finish the project, but it's not up to you. If Hashem wants you to finish it, you finish it. If he doesn't want to finish it, he doesn't, you know, it's, you're not going to finish it. It's, it's sort of, the Israelis right now are saying that we're not leaving until we're finished. Right? We're not leaving Gaza until we're finished. If Hashem decides that we're going to finish them, we're going to finish them. If Hashem decides we're not going to finish them, you're going to leave before they get finished. Because they're going to make peace. It's not, it's not, a person has to understand that yes, you should start things and you should try things, but it's not up to you. And, and it's a good thing it's not up to you. Because if it's up to you, it's very finite. What, what can a person do, right? Only so much you can do. But if it's not up to you, right? God can do anything. You open up a little pinhole and, uh, and, um, and he opens up, just very interesting. Um, so there's a, there's a Lushan, and the Lushan says that if you open up the hole of a needle, right? If you just do something, you start right? right? How do you say in Hebrew? And I'll open you up a, a, a whole gateway, a whole, a, whole, a whole entrance, a whole entrance, right? A whole hole. So, um, they asked me to give a shear. I'm giving it Wednesday morning on, on, um, tragedy and things like that and different, different, uh, point of, totally different point of view on, on tragedy and people are going through a lot of pain and things like that. So, so why does the, why does the, why does the, um, Chazal say open up the hole of a needle and I'll open up a, a huge hole? That's the only, that's the smallest hole in the world? Why does it pick a needle? Why, why does Chazal pick a needle? The hole of a needle. Right? My hold of a needle. So the answer is very, very beautiful. A needle causes pain. You take a needle and you stick it in your finger. Ow! Step on a needle. Whoa! Right? A few days ago I stepped on a needle. My, my wife's, that pin they put in the shapeful, it was in the carpet. And I stepped on it. Wah! Mashu. Mashu on the bottom, in the middle of the bottom of your foot. Funny, you step on your heel, but in the middle of your bottom of your foot. Whoa! Right? So, so a needle causes a lot of pain. But this is my, my, my translation. But Chazal is saying that look at the look at the hole of the needle. Why does the needle have a hole on top? To put thread through. So the hole of the needle gives you the ability to sew up things that are torn. It gives you the ability to knit, to make sweaters and scarves and other things. So a person has to understand. That in every needle, right, the needle that Chazal talks about is not a needle without a hole. 
A machat, Chazal talks about a machat which causes pain, has a hole. And you need to understand that, yes, there's a lot of pain in the needle, but on the top of the needle is my own little shot. Right? So the bottom of the needle, which you feel in this world, is the bottom of the needle. Pain, the person goes through this pain and that pain, tragedy and all these other things. But you need to know that on the top of that needle that hurt you, there's a hole. And there's a thread that's going through that hole. And that thread is knitting things together. And therefore, the machat that Chazal is talking about is not just a needle that causes pain, but it's a needle that sews things up. Yes, it causes pain, but at the same time, you thread it, and your, suit, your button you can put on, and your suit that's stripped you can sew back together, and all the things that fall apart, right? That maybe even the needle caused to fall apart, but there's a, you can thread it on top, you can put it back together. So, maybe that's why Chazal uses a needle. What? Maybe you can go out of the pain. Maybe you can go out no, but, so, yeah, you can, you can get out of the pain. When the needle stings you, it hurts. Right? Time helps pain. A lot of things help pain. But why a macha? Why a hole in the top of the needle? I thought the hole in the top of the needle represents fixing things. The bottom of the needle can open up things. But the top of the needle, the hole, ends up putting, closing it up right. Just a nice little thought that I had. I was going to actually give call it the eye of the needle, the shear, but nobody would understand what I'm talking about. So it wouldn't have sold very well. It wouldn't have sold. Anyway, so, I have to tell you, uh, you know, one of the things, I don't know when this is going to play, but probably won't get up till tomorrow, and I'm giving the shear Thursday morning. So, so I'm not going to give the same shear tonight. Maybe next week I'll talk about it. But one of the things that I'm, I'm talking about, you know, how to deal with tragedy, how to deal with pain, how to deal with what's going on in Eretz throat? It's marriage tragic. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's tragedy. You know, um, someone said something unbelievable today. Um, so the, the, the Hamas is saying that, you know, we're, look, look at the difference between Israel and them. I, I think what, 30 Israelis were killed? 27, 30 Israelis were, what? No, it's more than, it's more than 23. I think it's up to 30. 27 soldiers and, th- and two, two or three, three, 29 people or 30 people were killed. And in uh, and Hamas, in, in the Arabs, how many people were killed? 600. So someone got on the radio today, and he said, really, right, really, the, so they say it's not a fair balance. 30 to 600, you know, and you're an army and we're not an army, it's not a fair balance. The guy got on the radio and said, what are you talking about? For Shalit, who was one soldier... How, how many people did Hamas ask to release? 1,000 or 10,000? 1,000. 1,000. So according to Hamas, one Israeli soldier is worth 1,000 Hamas guys. So 30 soldiers that died, 30 Israelis that died, is worth 30,000. If one is worth 1,000, 30 is worth 30,000. So in their eyes, we lost 30,000 and they lost 600, so one second. The balance is the other way. We lost, according to Hamas, we lost a lot more than they lost. Because if they say every Israeli is worth a thousand, so 30 Israelis worth 30,000. And like the guy he was, the commentator that he was talking to was like, oh really? Yeah, we didn't think about it like that. So, um, 
anyway, talk. It's it's it, you know it's 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 very tragic. But so I just want I just want to tell you, give you an example. So when my my father, who was my tragedy, because when I lost him, I'm not going to get to the whole story. But I was very very close with my father. He died in my arms, and um, I really went to Hashem, and I was like, I, they, you know, the doctor pretty much said when they found that he had esophageal cancer that he would only live for three months. And I ran to Israel and went to every Makobal and Tzadik and went to the Kaisal, stayed up all nights at Tehillim. And I said, you know, at that point, that was uh, 17 years ago, maybe less, 15 years ago. So I was already teaching for like uh, 22 years at that point. So I cashed in. I said, Hashem, here's the deal. Take all my 22 years of teaching and I'm asking you to give my father one more year. Because I learned in Tefillah Never ask for too much. Ask for a little, and you get a lot. So I figured, if I ask them to give one year, maybe Hashem will take away the whole disease, even though the doctor said, that uh, he has three months to live. It's not. It's stage four, whatever he said, you know, we don't believe in doctors. Anyway, went there to I'm like, Hashem, I'm cashing in 22 years of teaching. I want one year for my father longer, not three months. He should live one year, thinking, if he gives one year, because once... Once the Xavier is broken, you have to you have to learn on how to daven. Once the once the, the Xavier is in three, he's supposed to die on a certain day. Once you break that Xavier, Xavier is gone. Then you can you can work out for the rest of his life. You have to break that Xavier. So if you're daven for a year, and once once it's a year, it's not the, that date's gone. Then it could be for forever. He could live till he's ninety years old. But it didn't work, and he died three months later, three and a half months later. So God didn't give me that year, and I was really angry. And I was like, I'm teaching for 22 years, and I'm not even asking you for his life. I'm asking you for a year, and I, maybe three and a half months, maybe three months. I don't know exactly, but it was very close to the day that the doctor, we found out in October. He died in the beginning of February 7th, so, so it's November, December, January. It was maybe three months and two, day, two weeks, whatever. So I was pretty upset. So I said, I'm not teaching no more. And I called up the principal, and I said, after my father died, after the shiva, I said, I'll come back to you, find another Rebbe. Because, you know, you, we think, God owes us. I taught for you. What do you mean, you know? You owe me. So I was really upset, and then I said, I'm done. And, Koma Lamda Hiskauti. So, one of my students, who's already graduated much older, he heard that uh, I quit. And he came to my house, and he was sitting on the steps, and he said, he said, Rebbe, what are you doing? Why are you quitting? And why, what do you mean? Why, I asked for a year, I didn't even get, I didn't get, I didn't even get an extra month. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not doing this. I'll go work, make money, have a good life, leave me alone. What do I have to teach for? If, it does, if you can't cash it in, right? Because that's how you think. If I can't cash it in, what am I doing it for? Right? You gotta be able to cash it in, right? It's like chips. You can't cash it in, why am I being a good guy? So here was my chance to find out if I could cash it in, and they didn't take the deposit. It just didn't, it didn't work. You know, I had my miles, you know, it's like, you have a million miles, and you call up, you know, uh, you want to go first class, you know, you call up United, and you're like, hi, uh, I want to go to Honolulu with my wife, I have a million miles, and they're like, oh, this flight, um, there's no miles available for this flight. I'm like, okay, when's your next flight that I can use my miles? Uh, the rest of the year to Hawaii is taken. It's like, so what are you giving me miles for? Like, you know? And then that's it, you're done. You're not looking to make, you're not looking to get miles anymore because you see they don't, they don't even work. So here my head was like, I put all this stuff in and I came with the money and you're like, not available. And it was my father and he died in my hands. It was like, it was like very, very I was very, very sensitive and I was done. I was really done. 
And he says to me, he says something very fascinating. So this boy, you know, sometimes Hashem makes it come out of your tummy in his mouth. And he says to me, okay, you're taking this very personal, which I understand. He says, but you loved your father, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, what would your father want you to do? He died. What would he want you to do for him? Quit, you know, my father who sent me to become a Rebbe, right? You think in Shemayim, he's looking down and saying, oh, I'm so happy you stopped teaching. Or just the opposite, he wants you to do more. You're being very selfish. You're thinking about your feelings. You're not feeling about your father's feelings. Just because he died, he still has, he's in Shemayim. So just the opposite, Rebbe, you should teach more than you used to teach. That's what he tells me. I was to this kid tell me, giving me Musa, right? And I, I knew that he was right. I knew that he was right. That, that reacting and walking out of yeshiva is definitely not making my father happy. If I was to go up at, to Shabbayim in the dream and say, Dad, so you agree with me? I should quit, learn teaching? He would give me a hotch in Shabbayim, right? So, on those steps, when I started on Avram, not only did I go back to teach, but I said, you know what, I'm going to do something extra. And I started teaching once a week. And then when Ava happened, then this all happened. So, from tragedy, right, from tragedy, many things can grow. Many things can happen. And what I'm, what I'm bringing to the shear on, um, on, what's it called, on Thursday morning, is that if you, if, I'm not going to do it here tonight, but I'm going to, I'm going to, blow them away because if you look at the Torah everything that can go wrong in a person's life happens in the Torah all the way in the beginning Adam and Chava do you know they were separated for 130 years Rashi says right don't we go we go crazy when you hear oh my gosh these guys got married and they're separated Adam and Chava were married a couple of hours from the Eitz and he separated from her for 130 years so could you imagine a, a guy and a girl get married under the chuppah they go into the Yichud room and they're like okay bye or could you imagine the people at the wedding could you imagine the day after the wedding you hear oh they're not coming to Shabbat because they're separated it would be like it would go crazy, right? It would be, it would be everybody would be talking about it. <gasps> Do you know what happened? They didn't come to the They're separated already, and they're separated for a hundred and thirty years. That's not tragedy. And what happens? They they have a child, Chase, and who comes out of that child, Chase? Chanoch, who goes to Shemayim becomes Matatrin, the highest Malach in Shemayim. Tragedy. Right? They have, so their marriage started off really bad. Separated for 130 years. Now, they have two kids. We can't even imagine such tragedy. And one of the brothers kills the other brother. You ever in your life hear a story where a brother killed another brother? You want tragedy? So, before you get to the second, before you get through the first Pasha of the Torah, you have the biggest Avera, separated marriage, murder of a brother. Then the destruction of the world. 
So what's going on over Then the destruction of the world. Then a son castrating his father. This is sick stuff, right? Then the uh, a whole the whole world serving Avodizara. Then you have Avram Avinu, right? Avram Avinu's father, talk about tragedy. Avram Avinu's father throws him into a fire. And in the same fire, his brother Haram commits suicide. So now what do you got? Separation, murder, suicide, abuse, right? Throwing your kid into the fire. Childless. Not having children. So if you made me a list of tragedies that can happen in a person's life within the first three passages in the Torah, you have all those tragedies. Forget about Yosef being sold, Yosef trying to kill his brother, it's another brother to try to kill the brother, right? Sorry, Menu dying in shock hearing, right? Rachli Menu dying in childbirth, right? What tragedy could you come up with? That didn't happen in the first book of the Torah. Dina being raped. So, what, what, what else could happen? So, Thursday morning when I speak, they think I'm going to come up with stories about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm going to be like, no, no, no. We're going to start from the beginning of Beratius. And we only have to go about five, six parishes. Everything's in there. Yosef being sold, that's not tragedy. Being thrown into a dungeon, like what? You know, being, being uh, accused innocently, like open a book and find all the bad things that could happen in this world, you'll find them in the first book of Horatius. So in our minds, we learn the Torah, we're like, nah, everyone's happy, yalla, everything's good. Every tragedy, human tragedy exists. Town, Shem being wiped out, right? They, they made, they had it coming to them, but every human tragedy, being childless, you know, murder, everything that you could imagine happened in the first book of Horatius. So, one of the main lessons of the Torah, including what Moshe Rabbeinu went through, getting his tongue burnt and, and being adopted and, and ending up in the desert, right? And David Amalek, we don't have to go to David Amalek, which is totally tragic, right? So, so we, people don't focus on that. But now that people are going through a lot of suffering, where's the place to look for suffering? The Torah, and how did, every one of these stories that I'm telling you, that I just told you, from every one of the stories came unbelievable growth. Yaakov and Esau, from Dina Asnas, who married Yosef. Every one of these stories that I'm telling you, unbelievable growth from every tragedy that I will go through, every tragedy one by one, right? Haran, he died, but he gave himself up to Kiddush Hashem, even though he's copying Avram Avinu, the whole world only listened to him because he was thrown into a kitchen of Aish, and they saw that he wasn't, that he, they know that he didn't get burnt. Every one, every tragedy that happened, right? Everything that happened, something good came from it. So, what? And none of these stories did they get upset out of Kaddish Baruch for sure not. Well, that's why they grew. Avraham Avinu grew, they all grew from, they all grew from it. Adam was, Adam did tshuva. Adam was the first person to do tshuva. 
because he said he did tshuva. We learn from Adam that you could do tshuva. Right. Right. Well, so that's so that so so what I'm trying to say is look at look at look for Hashem that I had that boy talk to me or now and now I just want to tell you because I did because because we you know so the book has dedication so there's a there's a dedication in the book there's two books coming out one is a book on Akarsatov that I'm doing together with Rabbi Shimon Finkelman that's coming out with Art Scroll amazing it's an amazing book a lesson a day right and then there's a second book that um, is coming out that is a book that you pretty much write. It's the Safest Aquinas. It is magnificent. It's unbelievable. It's a separate book where each person you buy your kids, you buy your wife, she can buy you, and every single night you can write in the Safest Aquinas, but it looks like a king's book. It's done in a, it, it's, it's done in a most amazing way. It's only going to retail like a $20. It's not like a crazy thing. And at the end of the year, you'll have a book with numbers and names and people to thank and you, 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 when you write something good that someone did for you, it changes who you are. Nothing to talk about. So, um, so, so there's these dedications. So there's a dedication every day, $360. There's a month, $5,000. Then there's a dedication for the whole book. You can dedicate the whole book. You can dedicate the Safest Aquinas. And then there's a top dedication, which is a dedication of the whole initiative. Both books, the app, Right, the app, we're doing an app for this, a, uh, a Hakarsa Tov app, which is amazing. Apps, I mean, I don't have them, but they're pretty crazy because you can write every night. You can write every night what someone did for you, and then you push a button, and it goes to that person. So, like, let's say you write, I can't believe my, you know, today, uh, January, or July, whatever. I can't thank my mother enough for being for me there today. I was, I was so out of it, and my mother, mama, saved my life, whatever it is. And then, when you when you write, my mother. Right, so wherever you, or whatever that name is, it's on your phone in your contacts, right? So then you can put if you want, it's an option. You push a button, and what you just wrote about your mother goes to her phone. That's pretty crazy. Imagine at 10 o'clock at night, it goes ding, she looks at her phone, it's like her son just wrote something beautiful in his. Uh, it's like it's going to bring people together, or a wife and a husband, right? All of a sudden, she gets this, he's, out, he's away somewhere, and she gets this. Because before he goes to sleep and she gets this on her phone all of a sudden, like, you know, that, that, that she was there for me today, whatever it is. It's a, it's, it's crazy, it's a game changer. So anyway, so I'm trying to sell this. So there's a, there's the whole initiative, which is the two books plus the app, right? And anything that we do to name it after the Wallerstein Hakarasatov initiative, the Stern Hakarasatov. So anything that goes on in this whole initiative will have their name on it. Okay? That's a, it's a very, it's, it's a large amount of money. So one of the people that were interested in doing this said, well, it's a large amount of money. What am I getting? What am I getting? In other words, you know, do a business plan for me. Show me, I hear two books and an app, but what am I getting? So here's where the Mishnah comes in. That's, so what I do, I sat down yesterday and I did the following. Now this is all in the schuss of the boy who told me, after my father died, that what does your father want you to do, right? Open Ornava. So I spoke in Ornava, and two years ago, I was speaking about Purim, and I talked about the book of Achashverosh, and the Medrash that said that Achashverosh never forgot to write something down, and I said, oh my gosh, how could he be a Russian and do that, and I don't? That's where the whole idea came from. So that sheer in Ornava 
came because I opened our Nava. I only opened the Nava because my father died. And my father had died. I would never opened our Nava, right? I want you to hear this. Okay. They're expecting this book. Okay, this book has in it 180 lessons. And you learn them twice a year. So it's 360 days. But you, you have to chazer it, right? So you learn 1 to 180 and then you learn it again. So there's 360 days of learning, let's say, in the year. Okay? We expect, well, actually it's 354 days because it's the Jewish year. We expect in the first year, article myself, we're expecting to sell 40,000 books. Not, it's not a crazy number. There's a lot of Jews out there and everyone's waiting for it. 40,000 books. Okay. If you take 40,000 books times 354 lessons, how many days of learning do you think you get? You're taking 40,000 books, right? We're going to sell 30, and everyone's going to learn 356 days. 14 million, 160,000 days of learning. Wait. How long does it take to learn a lesson is two pages? How long does it take to learn a lesson? We're figuring 15 minutes. Right, like when I taught, I used to teach Chabad Chaim a lesson a day. It took me more than fifteen minutes, but let's say fifteen minutes. So if you forget hours, if you take, if you take fifteen minutes times fourteen million one hundred sixty thousand days of learning, that's all they're spending is fifteen minutes a day. You ready? Two billion, a hundred million. 240,000 minutes of learning. 40,000 books. 2 billion, 100 million minutes of learning. If you're going to try to figure out, and if you're going to try to figure out seconds, because we don't know if the mitzvahs, you get a mitzvah for each minute or each second. If you're going to try to figure out seconds, forget it. Goodbye, have a good day. It's like, it's, it's infinite. So, sitting on it, Sitting on a step, fifteen years ago, a boy in the biggest in my in the middle of my biggest tragedy of my life, my biggest tragedy, Baruch Hashem, my big. I mean that I never had anything worse. My biggest tragedy is my father's death. So I was sitting in my biggest tragedy, feeling very sorry for myself that I'm not teaching anymore. And a boy said to me, "What does your father want?" I never dreamt that I would have the ability. In one year, to have two billion, a hundred million minutes of learning as maishos. So in that tragedy came out something that is way beyond any human comprehension. That's one year. One year. The safe will be here for a hundred years. In one year, two billion minutes. So times that by 10 years. 20 billion minutes of learning. It's beyond anything that we can even comprehend. You can't do that as a human being. Only Hashem can do that. Now, that's the safer. That's the safer that we wrote, I wrote together with El Finkelman to teach you about Akar Satov. Now let's talk about the safer Zichronos. Where you write, right, every night. So, the Sefer Zechronos, right, 
we don't expect to sell 40,000 copies. We'll sell 20,000. Maybe we'll sell 100,000, but we're thinking 20,000. We're going to sell more than that. 20,000 copies of the Sefer Zechronos. The Sefer Zechronos is a 16-month calendar. We did it 16 months, not 12, because I want you to be able to buy it one or two, three, four months later than when it comes out. That way, because everybody wants to be able to write a year. You should have a year in it. So even if you buy it four months later, you still have 12 months to write. That's a 16-month book. Okay? So, what's 16 months? 480 days. Right? 16 months times 30 days. It's 480 days. Okay. If you take 20,000 books times 480 days, that gives you 9,600,000 days of gratitude. 9 million days in one year will be 9 million pages written in people's journals thanking somebody. 9 million pages of thank yous. Forget about trying to figure out how many thank Let's say one thank you on the page, not five. You do five, it's 40 million. 9 million thank yous? Can you imagine if I told you that tomorrow, this year, us guys, we got to go out there, and our job is to get 9 million people to say thank you. You'd say, Rabbi, you can't, you can't get 9 million people to say thank you. Well, this year, Mitzvah Hashem, starting in Elo, we are going to get 9 million people to say thank 9 million pages of thank yous. That's one thank you. If there's five, that's 40 million. So I didn't do this for myself. I did, did this. That's without the app. The app, I, don't, I can't figure out the app. I have no idea what that's going to do, right? So I did this to show the guy who wanted to invest. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is crazy. Imagine if I would have stepped out of Chinuch. I would have come up to Shemayim, and Hashem would have said, Wallstein, in one year, you could have gotten two billion minutes of learning. And this safer is learning. It's a story on one side, and on the other side, it's a Chazal. It's a Gemara, it's a Mishnah, it's a Medrash. That's how it's made. It's like the first is Chumash, Navi, Medrash, Gemara. So it's learning. It's not Stamjah stories. Imagine if I come to and find out two billion a year that I gave up. So why am I telling you this? Because in all tragedy, there's growth. So, one of the things I'm going to be talking about on Tisha B'Av, Amit Hashem, I hope we will celebrate that it's a Yantiv, is this thought. And I'll leave you with this thought, it's a very, very deep thought. So my question is as follows. When the month of Av comes in, you should be less happy. My Rebbe used to say, as a joke, when your father walks into your room, you're not going to be so happy. <laughs> That's what he used to say. Mishnichas Av means your father. When your father walks in, you're not going to be so happy. But Mishnichas Av means in the month of Av, less happiness. That means I should still be happy, right? And, and, and they always say, Mishnichas Av, you should be more happy. But you see that you're always supposed to be happy. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But he never says you shouldn't be happy at all. So the question is, but in, uh, in, in the month of Av, it's beautiful, very deep thought. In the month of Av, the Beis Hamish was destroyed twice. Araglim, right? Bad month. Why doesn't it just say, Mishnah Nazav, ain't Simcha? 
Why does it say in the month of Av you should have less Simcha? It should say in the month of Av you should have no Simcha. You don't eat meat. You're not drinking wine. You're not shaving. You're not listening to music. What, 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 what's your Simcha? What's your Simcha? You can't make, you can't, you can't get married. You can't have music. So just say, one month a year, the Jews should not be with Simcha. You should be an Av for the base of Mikdash. So there seems to be, some type of simcha. But what are you celebrating? What's your happiness coming from? So when it, when it, so when it happens, so when it happens, right? A person dies, a person dies, you sit shiv and you rip your clothing, right? Why? Eventually it'll be tchisamesim. Yeah, but you, you, you are, you just said, every, every good stuff is oh, bad. Right, yeah, so the question, so the question here is, what's the good? Yeah, but that's not, that's not the month of, the month of, oh, let's sit on the floor the whole month. What, there's something good here. So I'm going to say something very abstract and random, and you can't turn off the camera because then I'll get into trouble. It has to play this whole, this whole statement, right? There's something very good that the base of Midrash was destroyed. That there's actually something very good that the base of Mishra was destroyed. Now, if you turn that off right now, you get into big trouble. Robert Wallstein is, uh, he's anti the base of Mishra. So, first of all, everybody, every, first of all, everyone knows the Chazal. The Chazal say what's good about the base of Mishra being destroyed? That God took his wrath out on stones and, and wood instead of on us. But Lamaisa, we also got massacred. The Jews were, the blood was running through the streets, destruction of the base of Mishra. It's not like Hashem just bombed the base of Mishra and let us, and we went to paradise, right? We were tortured, we were murdered, we were killed, we were, we were sold as slaves. It was, you know, you say kinnis. So what's good about the base of Midrash being destroyed? I'm going to tell you something, Rav Shem Shempinka said, I'll tell you something fascinating. And he says the following. He says, I'll tell you a story. There was a king, and he had a princess, one daughter, beautiful girl, beautiful princess. She got married. And she moved out of the castle, and she moved to where the prince lived, a different country far away. And once a year, her father would come visit her, she'd come visit her father, but she lived too far to be very, very close. One day, the king's palace burns down to the ground. Nothing left, all his money, all his pictures, all his paintings, all everything. Mamish to ashes to the ground, there's nothing left. And everybody's crying, and everyone's upset. The great king, his palace is destroyed. Such a beautiful palace, everyone's very, very sad. And the princess is smiling. So they go over to him and they say, what are you smiling about? We just gave you the bad news that your father's palace burnt down. She says, I know, and I, I feel very bad for him, and I feel very bad that it happened. But now I know he has nowhere to go. He's going to come to me. And I missed him very much. So I'm not happy that it burnt down, but I'm sort of happy that it burnt down because now he's going to live with me till he builds it up again. For a while, I'm going to be back with my father, and I missed him very, very much. She so says, no, you dick. This is when the Beis Hamidrash was existing. We had to go there. And not everybody went there. Olaregel, not everybody went there. We had to go to the Beis Hamidrash to see HaKadosh Baruch But now that the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed, and the Shekhinah has nowhere to go, so now the Shekhinah is forced to come to us. Hashem says there'll be a time when you're going to have to make me a Beis Hamidrash, not B'Shachanti B'Sochal, it should say, I'll dwell in that base of Migdash. No, that's not what it says. It says, I will dwell in you. 
Because there is no more base than this. So I will come to your house and your house and your house and your house and I will dwell within you, within your soul, within you. So, so even though Hashem lost his house and it's very sad that the Shekhinah has nowhere to go, but now he has a place to go. Now he's going to come to me instead of me coming to him. Now, now in a person's house, Okay, it's brought down that a person's house is now the base hamikdash because there's no base hamikdash. So the shulchan in your house where you eat is the shulchan. And that's why you can't sit on it. It's also the mizbeach. And the neighbors where your wife lights her candles is the menorah. And the zayah says that the aron hakodesh, the kodesh kedushim, where the kodesh is your bedroom. That's what he says. He says, the Shekhinah lives in your bedroom, so the Kurdish Kedashim better be very, very holy, for his bedroom can't have movies and TV and internet, because then you are like Titus. Titus Harasha, Yamakshimo, went into the Kurdish Kedashim with a Zaina. And if you have movies and stuff in your bedroom, then you are bringing a Zaina into the Kurdish Kedashim. It's a Zayar. Okay? So that's your Kurdish Kedashim. So now, in the, in the time of the base Hamigdash, and it says, that your wife, that's what it says, that your wife, when she lights the candles for Shabbos, she's like the Kohen Gadol. And that's why she should daven and have all kinds of tefillahs. And that your shulchan is mamish like the shulchan, and your, you, you have to bench, and you know, like, there's all kinds of halakhs on your shulchan, salt and this and that, have to be on the shulchan, because that was on the shulchan in the, in the, in the base Hamidrash. So all of a sudden, a woman can't be a Kohen when there's a base Hamidrash. She should be a client. She can't light the candles. She's out in the, in the Azara. And your table is not a shulchan and your bedroom is not a, is not a Kurdish Kedashim. But because Hashem doesn't have this anymore, and now we have to move into my house. God is in my house. He's living by me. I am the Beis Hamikdash. When there was a Beis Hamikdash, you could not have that. So through the tragedy of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, even though it's very sad for the king, he lost his house, right? He's out of a house. But for the princess, it's like dad's coming home. And that's Mishnechnas Ador. You can't show Hashem. If, 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 she came, if he showed up the king and you said to the king, the daughter said to the king, I am so happy. I am, I'm making a party tonight. Why are you making a party? Because your palace burnt down. Ah, you can't, you know. No. No, but you can say, Dad, I'm very sad that your, pal- your palace burnt down. But I'm a little happy that you're here. Come inside. Let's, let's sit down and talk like it used to be. That's the level Mishnichnas of the Matam Simcha. That, that, I'm not happy that the Shekhinah lost its base on Migdash, but I still have a little Simcha because you don't have a base on Migdash now, I'm your base on Migdash. It is so deep. That is so beautiful. That is such an amazing thought. And if you take that thought into Av, your whole Av is different. But on the other hand, imagine guys if the king came to the princess's house. And he knocks on the door and says, who is this? It's your father, the king. Hey, what are you doing here? My palace burnt down. Sorry, dad, we don't have any room for you here. That would be the biggest tragedy in the world. So even though the Hashem, the Shekhinah, doesn't have a place to dwell, so he dwells amongst us, that's only if we're Kaddish and we allow him to dwell amongst us. But if our house is full of filth and things that shouldn't be there, then we're not accepting him in our house, then his house burned down, and we're not giving him a place to rest, then of is a very bad time. Then of is a very bad month. So it's really up to us what of is going to be like. Therefore, one day, Kurei 
it will talk be a yantif. Because at the end of the day, when the king re- when our king rebuilds his palace, Bedrash Hashem with Mashiach, then he's bringing us all to his house. So it's one thing if we live far away, we're in Golas, right? But when Mashiach comes, we're all in Eretz Yisrael. It's not like you're in Golas and you have to go Sholosh for Golam to Eretz Yisrael. The whole, it says the whole area that the Jews will live in is all considered Eretz Yisrael. So that will taka be kurei moyed. Tishva will be a yantif. Because then we'll be living in the king's house. What's better than that? It's funny if the king lives in my house, but it's even better if I live in his house. Well, we all be zeichet to see that. And here be a main new amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.